Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's so good to see all of you on a gray, gloomy January morning. We're also glad to have those who have joined us online. Over the past weeks, we have seen how food plays an important part in both Holy Scripture and personal faith. Jesus did some of his best work sitting around a table with his followers and friends, and he taught us to pray for our daily bread. And we realize that's not just physical nourishment, it's also spiritual sustenance. Because we don't live by bread alone, but by the living Word of God. Our January worship series is Sunday Dinner. And we're exploring how God satisfies our hunger and quenches our thirst. Last week, we enjoyed some soul food. Today, we're going through the drive through and getting some fast food. Our scripture lesson comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16, especially for our third graders who just got your Bibles. Here's a little trick I learned when I was about your age. In the New Testament, all of the T's are together. 1 and 2 Timothy, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Titus. So if you find a T, you know you're close. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. Fast food is endemic in our society. One out of every four Americans will eat at a fast food restaurant daily. We spend $400 billion on the industry annually. That's about $1,200 per household. And the number one most eaten vegetable in the United States is French fries. You add a little ketchup to that, you have a well-balanced meal. But fast food can be bad food. It comes supersized with sodium, cholesterol, fat, and calories. And restaurants have recognized this, and so in the past years, we've seen them adding healthy alternatives. You can get salads, vegetables, fruit. For you parents, when you buy a child a meal at a fast food restaurant, you can substitute milk and apple slices. Of course, that's what they come with, right, for anything else that might be in the lunch instead. And some marketing genius came up with a motto that said, not fast food, good food, fast. I believe fast food is a commentary on our culture. We live in a fast-paced, multitasking, overscheduled world where we are speeding from one appointment to the next to the next. And we gobble rather than savor. We gulp rather than sip. And then we're on to the next thing. The problem is, when you're so busy in life, 
everything becomes equally important, which means nothing is important. And the church serves as a prophetic voice in our world to call us to slow down, to stop, to re-examine our life and our priorities, to major on the major and to minor on the minors, and ask what is really eternal, what's temporal, what's lasting, what's passing. I heard a seminary professor say in a seminar that the church proclaims a marathon gospel in a sprint culture. I think that's a valuable insight because the Christian life certainly lends itself to a marathon imagery because it is a lifelong pursuit within the context of eternity. Paul wrote to the church and he said, let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Later, when he was facing his own death, he wrote to his protege Timothy and said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What a wonderful image of what it means to run lifelong and cross the finish line still faithful to God. We learned in school about Aesop's fables, and one of the more familiar ones is the story or the fable of the tortoise and the hare. They get into a race together, and you'll recall that the hare or the rabbit gets distracted, and the slower tortoise wins the race. And the motto, the lesson, the moral of the story is, slow and steady wins the race. That lends itself to the Christian faith. But we live in a sprint culture. You can make a strong case our entire society is attention deficit disorder. We grow impatient waiting for microwave popcorn to pop. Gentlemen, we don't watch one TV show on TV. We channel surf from at least three different stations to make sure we're keeping up with everything. Headline news gives us just short bites of what's going on. Celebrity weddings and marriages last a few months, and it seems like we're going faster and faster. But this morning, I want to play with the idea of fast food. And within the context of a marathon faith, are there some fast devotional practices that can help us grow as a Christian. Last week during Soul Food, we looked at four different holy disciplines that we're called to follow as Christians. They're familiar to you, prayer, Bible study, Christian fellowship, and service. How can we have fast devotional practices that help us in each of those? Let's begin with prayer. Last week, I talked about prayer being a daily essential, that we need to dedicate quality time in quantity amounts for prayer with God, of having a daily devotional time, which is an appointment with the Lord God Almighty. And it's not just speaking, it's also listening. It's being and abiding. But we heard in 1 Thessalonians today that we're also called to pray continually, ongoingly, What are some ways to do that? One is what one devotional writer called flash prayers or microburst 
prayers, that going through our daily routine, there are moments, maybe for a second, two, or three, where we're inspired to prayer, of adoration, of confession, of thanksgiving, supplication. We see a beautiful sunrise. Not today, but imagine there is one. And we praise the Lord God of creation. We're on the road and get cut off in traffic and have an unkind thought or word or maybe gesture, and we ask God for forgiveness. We're suddenly struck by how we are a blessed people, and we send a thank you note to God. We see someone in trouble. We see a story on the news. We hear an ambulance siren in the middle of the night, and we lift up either someone we know or perhaps a stranger in prayer to God. One of the things that I started doing several years ago is that when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I try to do is recite the Lord's Prayer. It only takes a few seconds, but it kind of sets up the day, frames it within God's holiness as I dedicate the day to the Lord. As I get ready, I just to quickly go through a set of blessings that are mine and to give God thanks. Another discipline that's akin to flash prayer is known as breath prayer, and it defines itself. A breath prayer is a prayer you can say in a single inhalation or exhalation, and you can repeat it over and again. Some people make up their own prayers. Some people use a short passage of Scripture. One of the more familiar devotional practices is known as the Jesus prayer or the heart prayer. It originated from the blind man calling out to Jesus, and it says, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You can say that in a single breath and then repeat it over and again. You can break it down into phrases and repeat those. You can break it down word for word and say one at a time with each breath. But it gives us the opportunity to be constantly, continually in prayer. Another practice some churches have is prayer walks, where a group of people will gather on a particular day and time, and they will walk the community pausing in front of every house or business, and praying for the persons within. You can do informal prayer walks at your business, walking down the corridor, or meeting clients at school when you're going down the hall, the grocery store when you're walking the aisles, at church when you're attending Sunday school or worship, to briefly pray for each person you see. How would it transform our worship if we prayed for people sitting around us during worship, if we prayed for our worship leaders, if we prayed for our pastor. I recall attending a district worship service one time, and there was a younger minister preaching, and he was struggling. It just wasn't good. And there was somebody sitting in the congregation just finally yelled out, Help him, Jesus! He needed the help. <laughs> I do too. It makes a difference when we pray for each other. There's also prayer requests. We emphasize that here at Northside. We lift up names every week in our pastoral prayers. Every one of us as Christians on occasion have somebody walk up to us and say, will you pray for me? Happens to clergy on a regular basis. Let me just go ahead and take the suspense out of it. If you ask the clergy to pray for you, we will. Now, if you ask me on Sunday morning right before I stand up to preach, all bets are off. You better text it or email it because I promise you I will forget it. 
But have you ever had the experience where somebody came up to you and said, thank you so much for praying for me. I asked you to pray for me, and I, I know you have been. You go, yeah, I'm sure I told you that. I'm pretty sure I did. If somebody asks you to pray for them, pray for them right then. If it's appropriate, out loud. If not, at least internally, lift them up in prayer. One of the things I started doing during COVID, just because of necessity, is I was praying for people on the telephone, by email, on text. And it felt really odd and awkward at first. But it became more and more meaningful to me. Better to pray for somebody at the moment than to have good intentions and never do. Another important discipline of the church is Bible study. And we really emphasize the marathon model of Bible study. That it should be a daily devotion and discipline where we're studying God's Word. I mean the phrase itself, Bible study. We offer disciple Bible study that goes from September through May. Last year we read the New Testament together from February through November. Sunday schools and small groups are ongoing. It's a marathon model, but there are also some sprint strategies we can use in Bible study because it can be overwhelming. You hand people a Bible and say, you ought to study this, and they're like, where do I even begin? What if we began with five minutes a day? That's about the average amount of time it takes to read a chapter in the Bible reading it like a novel, reading it like a magazine. I'm not talking about word-for-word study, but just a, a cursory reading. Most chapters take five minutes. Unless it's Psalm 119, then you need to pack a lunch. It's going to take you a while. We've all got five minutes to read one psalm a day, to read a chapter out of the gospel a day. If you read the New Testament last year, maybe to revisit that or perhaps start on the Old Testament instead, Five minutes a day to study the Bible as a start. Another discipline that has kind of gotten out of use in the contemporary church is Scripture memorization. Committing Scripture to our hearts and to our minds. If you're old school, get a three-by-five card, carry it with you. Or a post-it note, put it on your mirror where you can see it. You can get the Bible on your phone. You can take a photograph of a particular passage. You can have it with you at all times and places And as you memorize it, it becomes a part of who you are. And you can recite it. You can be like the psalmist who said, Lord, on your word I meditate day and night. And it becomes a part of who you are. Take advantage of modern technology. We saw during Route 66 last year, you can set up plans where it will send you Bible chapters every day for devotional reading. You can set up for online devotions that are delivered to your phone or to your computer. We've been doing Northside Daily Devotions since July of 2020. If you haven't signed up yet, what's taking you so long? Go online and do it. Other ways we can take advantage of that is through podcasts. The list goes on to take advantage of the technology that is ours that the church in previous years did not have. Another sprint culture is Christian community. Now, obviously, we believe we need to be in community constantly and ongoingly. We believe that small groups are essential to Christian growth and to discipleship. But it can happen in less formal ways also. Because wherever two or more gather, Jesus said he would be there. 
that when we leave these walls, we are the body of Jesus Christ who have gathered and are scattered into the world. Remember that phenomenon back in the 2000s of, of flash mobs? Uh, people would learn a dance, a song, and then they would just seemingly gather in random in a mall or some other public place and suddenly just burst into this choreographed number. We're a holy flash mob. Where we go, God is with us, and you never know how the Holy Spirit's going to break in, show up, and show out. It's important that we are bound together as Christians because we don't do this alone. Every one of us needs a small group that's supporting us along the way. I've got a group of four other clergy, and we text and email on a daily basis. Some of it's just simple fun. Some of it's the deep aspects of our life, of prayer together, of encouragement, of edification. I don't know how you get through the Christian marathon without it. Fourth area we've talked about is service. And certainly the church is very good at planning service. At Northside, we have identified strategic ministry partners that we're very concerned about hunger and homelessness. That's our focus in mission and in ministry. And any good Methodist knows if you volunteer for a position in the church, it is yours till death us depart, or you find a replacement. But there are other opportunities for service that are not nearly as long and don't require a lifelong dedication. Random acts of Christian kindness. We did that with our confirmation class last year. We gave each of them a $50 bill and said, go do something with it. And it was amazing to hear the stories that came back because when you're attuned and attentive, God will give you an opportunity to act in God's name in the lives of others. But let me share a principle that goes along with it. When the Holy Spirit calls you to act, act. I've had the experience, I know you have as well. The Holy Spirit has tapped me on the shoulder and said, I need you to do this. And I say, that's a great idea, God. Let me think about it. And tapped again, you need to do this. Great idea, God. Let me think about it a little bit more. You know, the longer you wait, the softer that voice will become. And eventually it will go away. I've never regretted acting on God's call in the here and now. I've regretted it often when I put it off and didn't do it. So if God calls you to do something, just do it. And if you're fumbling around with what to do, Habitat for Humanity starts this Saturday. I'm going to be slinging a hammer with the student ministries in the warehouse, framing walls. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're, I think, got just a few slots left. You sign up on other Sundays. You do not have to. I'm going to be doing it. If I can do it, you can do it. And if you're not athletic or you're not able to be involved in construction, we have hospitality teams. You can give by going. You can go by giving. But be involved. And I've listed all these things last week and this week, and I know that the temptation is to think, that's a lot of stuff, preacher, and I don't have time to do all that. Really? Because we all get the same amount of time, 60 seconds per minute, 60 minutes per hour, 24 hours per day, seven days per week. Doesn't matter who you are, no more, no less. Maybe we need to find the time. Because there are spaces in our daily routines, if we will look, there is time available. Or maybe we need to redeem the time. There, there, there's a phrase I learned in college that has stuck with me. Economists talk about opportunity cost. 
All that simply means is if you choose this, you can't do that. That's how life is. We might pretend it's otherwise, but that's the truth. You choose one way, you cannot go the other way. If you want to make more time for God, you might need to make less time for television, social media, surfing the web, playing video games. And suddenly it's amazing just how much time is available for God's use. We proclaim a marathon gospel. We live in a sprint culture. And while we're called to run the good race with fortitude and endurance, we can also sprint some along the way. It's not fast food. It's good food fast. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the spiritual disciplines of prayer, of Bible study, of fellowship and service, how they nurture our souls and strengthen our spirits. You have claimed us and called us for a lifetime and beyond. And we ask for the strength and the endurance to run the race well. But along the way, help us to cultivate sprint tactics that help us to dedicate every day and every moment to you. It's in the name of Jesus the Christ we make our prayer. Amen.